Welcome to Let's Talk Sustainability, the Mazar podcast series that explores the evolving sustainability landscape for business. In each episode, we hear from experts on a range of environmental, social, and governance issues as they share best practices for building solid sustainability strategies and identified varied and valuable opportunities for business. Hello, my name is Carole Masson. I'm a partner at Mazar, working in the technical department in charge of sustainability reporting. Today, we're going to talk about the ESRS, the European Sustainability Reporting Standards, since they have just been adopted. So the key question is how to get prepared and what is at stake? To answer this key question, Edwige Rey is with me. She's a partner within the Sustainability Reporting Department. Hello, Carol. First of all, let's remember that on July 2023, the European Commission published the final delegated regulation for the first set of ESRS in all the languages of the European Union. This standard stems from the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, the much-discussed CSRD, which was published in the official journal of the European Union in December 2022 and which must be transposed into national law in each of the 27 member states by 6 July 2024 at the latest. Our listeners will remember that the CSRD will initially apply to large companies with more than 500 employees that are public interest entities. PIEs are notably those listed on an EU regulated market, whether domiciled inside or outside the European Union. It is also important to note that the size thresholds used to define large companies and indeed medium and small companies were recently increased by 25% to reflect inflation in the EU over the last 10 years. This will, of course, impact which companies fall within the scope of the CSRD. This is a very significant moment for companies that fall within the initial scope of the CSRD. They need to start preparing immediately for publication of their first sustainability statement in accordance with the ESRS in 2025. So, Carol, the first ESRS standards will be mandatory for financial periods commencing on or after 1 January 2024. What exactly will this mean in practice? Well, the ESRS formed the basis of a common standardized language that companies in scope of the CSRD will have to apply when dealing with sustainability issues. These standards dictate both the content and format of the future sustainability statements, which will replace the existing non-financial reports established under the current non-financial reporting directive, the NFRD. The EU has developed ESRS so that companies disclose relevant, reliable, and comparable information on sustainability matters. This has not been the case until now, given the very flexible framework offered by the NFRD. And evidently, Europe has opted for sovereignty, since it has not adopted the international standards published by the IWSB. This is the ISB twin, the International Sustainability Standards Board, although the EU has made sure that the ESRS are interoperable with these standards, so that companies do not have to publish two sets of reports if they also want to comply with the IFRS Sustainability Disclosure Standards. Carol, what are we talking about in practice with the first set of ESRS? The first set of standards 
consists of 12 sector agnostic standards, two cross-cutting standards, ESRS-1 and ESRS-2, and 10 topical standards covering the full spectrum of ESG issues, meaning environment, social, and governance issues. This represents 82 disclosure requirements. However, and it is very important, not all companies will have to provide all the disclosures. The key principle of the standards is that the company must publish information to cover the sustainability issues it has identified as material in line with the principle of double materiality. Only the general disclosures listed in ESRS 2 will be mandatory for all entities. And what is the double materiality? Well, the double materiality assessment will enable companies to identify the material impacts on the environment or on people connected with the company's own operations, but also the impacts linked to its upstream and downstream value chain. This is what we call impact materiality. But the double materiality assessment also looks at financial materiality. In other words, it looks at how the different sustainability issues produce material financial effects on the company, for example, in terms of performance of future cash flows, as a result of the risks or opportunities brought about by these issues. We should also point out that the materiality assessment will be subject to the opinion given by the sustainability auditor as part of its, of its assurance engagement. It should be remembered that the CSRD requires limited assurance on sustainability reporting with an expected move to reasonable assurance by the end of the decade. And in practice, who is targeted with this information? Uh, in practice, the company's disclosures resulting from its materiality assessment are intended to meet the needs of users in the broadest sense. In other words, not just the main users of general purpose financial information, investors in particular, but also other users, such as the company's business partners, trade unions, social partners, civil society organizations, NGOs, etc. And the sustainability statement that brings all this information together will have to appear in a separate, clearly identified section of the company's management report. So now, Edwige, in what way do ESRS represent an important step forward compared with the reporting requirements in the previous non-financial report? Although the European Commission has introduced a number of reliefs compared to the first draft standards presented by the Commission technical advisor IFRAG, the task remains a doubting one for even the most mature companies. We've examined the non-financial statement of a panel of companies in the light of ESRS. We compared the four pillars of the current non-financial reports, so business model, risks, policies, and indicators, with the requirements of the cross-cutting standards ESRS1 and ESRS2. We also analyzed the content of these publications with respect to three topical standards that should be material for many companies, namely ESRS E1 on climate change, ESRS S1 on own workforce, and finally ESRS G1 on business conduct against a selection of disclosures requirements. And what have you learned from this exercise? 
we have to admit that there's still a lot to do. There are several reasons for that. First of all, ESRS demands a high degree of granularity. A good example is ESRS S1. Until now, some companies have also been wary of disclosing too much detail, particularly about the conduct of their business. What's more, companies do not always have the policies to meet the European Commission ambitious, but crucial demands, such as the requirements for targets compatible with limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees for all three scopes. While the CSRD does not require companies to define policies, action plans, or set objectives, ESRS will bring a welcome transparency to what the company is doing, but also to what it is not doing. And inevitably, this will be a strong indirect incentive to act. Another important point is that the metrics published in the future sustainability statement will include the green taxonomy key performance indicators. This will have a twofold effect. First, it will extend the scope of the companies required to publish this information, given that the CSRD has a broader scope than the NFRD. And there is no doubt that it will also enhance the quality and relevance of disclosures, given the sustainability auditor's work on this data, with requirements that will be more stringent than is currently the case. Thank you, Edvige. But what advice would you give to companies that are just starting their preparations to meet the CSRD requirements? We have identified some useful lessons from our discussions with clients who are carrying out CSRD projects in France and across Europe. In particular, it is important for management to be on board from the start in order to draw up a roadmap and make the necessary changes to the internal ESG reporting framework in terms of structure, processes and tools. Large groups often begin their projects by organizing awareness raising and training sessions to ensure that employees at all levels understand the strategic importance of a CSRD. Under the NFRD, the emphasis was often placed on reporting for its own sake. In contrast, the CSRD is intended as a tool that will encourage companies to improve their ESG performance and shift to more sustainable business models. It is not simply a change in reporting standards, but a complete paradigm shift. Thus, it is essential that management teams understand and support this project. These projects also bring together many different areas of expertise. Financial, CSR, legal, HR, and so on, and thus require cross-cutting structure overseen by a steering committee. They usually involve two major phases. The first phase involves analyzing the specific challenges raised by the CSRD for the company in question, concluding by drawing up a roadmap. In the second phase, the roadmap is put into action and the phase concludes with publication and audits of the first sustainability statements. Uh, so Edvige, with respect to this roadmap, what are the stages that are usually uh, implemented by companies? The process takes place in several stages, 
with the assistance of ESRS specialists. The first stage is to review the materiality assessment process using the double materiality approach set out under ESRS. The next stage is a gap analysis, meaning identifying the gaps between the current reporting and the requirements of ESRS. It's also necessary to check consistency with disclosures required under the Green Taxonomy Regulation. The environmental ESRS cover the six environmental objectives of the taxonomy and provide a link with this regulation. It is also helpful at this point to draw up an internal reference document listing sources, measurement and calculation methods, and so on for each disclosure requirement that applies to the company. Finally, it is essential to ensure at all stages of a project that the new procedures have a clear audit trail. Aside from audit requirements, documentation is of central importance in enabling the company to justify why it has not presented disclosures on ESRS topics that it has judged to be not material. It is also vital to informing governance and managing sustainability performance. So, Carol, last question. The first set of standards has now been adopted by the EU. What should companies expect over the coming months? Well, we talked earlier about the importance of the double materiality assessment and the fact that the procedure for identifying material impacts, risks and opportunities needs to consider all the actors in the upstream and downstream value chain, as well as the parent company and the subsidiaries. Well, EFRAG is expected to publish implementation guidance on these two major topics in the very near future meaning on materiality assessment on one side and on value chain on the other side. It will include an FAQ and illustrative examples on implementing ESRS. This guidance will be non-binding for companies, but it will help them in applying the ESRS. Further help for companies is available via FRAG's brand new access point through its website. It allows companies to ask questions about the application of ESRS, EFRAG will provide responses in the form of clarifications, rejections, or new implementation guidance, or if necessary, it will transfer the question to the European Commission if it has identified that amendments to ESRS are required, although this is not expected in the short term. An Excel table will also be made available to companies to help them with their gap analysis. This will list all the disclosure requirements broken down into data points which constitute the highest level of granularity at which disclosures must be published. Carol, can you update us regarding the sectorial standards? Well, ESRS standards indeed require companies to provide information not only on a sector agnostic basis, but also on a sector specific basis. So the CSRD require companies to publish sector specific information if that sector is material to the company's business. In the future, the EU will therefore be adopting sector-specific standards, also developed by EFRAG, in accordance with the CSRD. These sector-specific standards were originally scheduled for adoption by June 2024 at the latest. However, in practice, the EU is proposing to delay adoption by two years. This forms part 
of the proposals published in October with a view to reducing the reporting burden on companies by 25%, as announced by Commission President Ursula von der Leyen in March 2023. EFRAG is expected to publish the first exposure draft of sector-specific standards during 2024, but initially this will only cover two sectors, namely oil and gas on one side and mining, quarrying and coal on the other side. EFRAG will also publish a document setting out the general approach used for sector-specific standards, as well as the proposed breakdown of sectors under ESRS. Ultimately, the standards should cover around 40 sectors. And what about the tagging of the information? Well, indeed, our listener will probably remember that under the CSRD, the management report must be published in digital format in order to be machine-readable. The technical digitalization will use the European Single Electronic Format, or ISEF, to tag sustainability information included in the management report. However, work on the proposed X-barrel taxonomy is still ongoing at present. EFRAG is expected to publish a draft version for comment in the first quarter of 2024. After taking on board comments from stakeholders, the draft will be passed to ESMA, the European Securities and Market Authority, and ESMA will then have to amend the ESF regulatory technical standards, which will also involve a consultation period. In view of all this, it is now generally accepted that tagging of sustainability information will not be required for the first 2025 publications in respect to the 2024 financial year, contrary to what the CSRD says. Thank you, Carol. To conclude, ESRS are a major challenge for companies as they place significant new transparency obligations on companies regarding their engagement with sustainability issues. What's more, the disclosures will also need to be audited. Companies should therefore start their preparations now in order to comply with the new requirements and think about how to turn this additional insight into a strategic driver of both their sustainability and business performance. In practice, they should first assess whether they are within the scope of the CSRD and when they will have to present sustainability information under ESRS for the first time. Also, ESRS includes transitional provisions to facilitate implementation of the standards in the first year or years of applications. There is a lot of work to be done and companies should not underestimate the size of a challenge. This is particularly true for companies that fall within the scope of a CSRD but that were not required to publish non-financial reports under the NFRD. In all cases, First-time application of the SRS will necessitate, at least, a review of a materiality assessment considering both impact materiality and financial materiality, then consideration of the entire value chain, and finally, an in-depth analysis of the disclosure requirements and associated data points listed in the SRS. This will allow companies to identify what information has to be disclosed to cover sustainability matters identified as material. Thank you very much, Edwige. Thank you, Carol. Thank you for joining us on Let's Talk Sustainability. 
to keep up with the series, subscribe on your favorite podcast app or go to mazar.com.